This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. go to the book of James, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. He says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Seboa. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You've condemned, you've murdered the just. He does not resist you. And then we'll go ahead and... Maybe we'll get to it, but beginning in verse 7 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the earthly and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest uh, you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or on earth, with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. So he is discussing in this first part of our conversation. Hey, we have just finished up uh, last week. We finished up the conversation where he's talked about um, boasting about tomorrow, and he's talking about these traveling merchants that go to and fro, and they they show up and they say, "Hey, we're going to go here. We're going to stay for a year. We're going to make a profit. We'll be back." And he says that you know it's okay to have plans. He says, but the problem with these guys is they're making these plans and they never consult with God. They never reach out and allow God in their plans whatsoever. He says, so you know what it should be is, Lord, if it's your will, if your will would be done, if it would be what you would want, let me go town to town and let me go there and make a profit and come back. He doesn't say there's anything wrong with the plan itself. What he's saying is the problem is is they've left God out of the plan. So he goes right on, and uh, many scholars believe that this first part of chapter 5 is almost following that up, talking to the same kind of people, not even necessarily a Christian group of people, but he's talking about these traveling merchants per se. And he says, come, now you rich, reaping how for your miseries that are coming upon you. Well, that's interesting because I believe wholeheartedly, I believe that God wants us to prosper. I do. I believe that, the just to be real, the more wealth that I could obtain, the more wealth that God would entrust me with, would simply mean the more that I could bless other people. 
It would mean that the more that God would entrust me, the more wealth that I could build that, that God would allow me to have would be the more that I could give back to the church. And so he's talking to this, this group of people. He says, you rich people. He said, come in. You need to listen. He said, come now. Listen to me. He said, you need to weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. So we got to understand I believe wholeheartedly God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to prosper. We work hard. There's not a, a get-rich-quick scheme that works. It is hard work, the, the labor that produces the fruit, the fruit being the harvest of our lives, God giving us that. So that's not what he's condemning. He's condemning not necessarily the, the prosper, the pros, whatever the word would be that I'm looking for, not the treasures, the prosperity. He's not condemning the prosperity itself. He's not condemning the treasure. He's condemning them because of their heart toward this. And he says, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Well, the thought for me when I studied this, first of all, for gold and silver to corrode is pretty intense. It's not even really likely that it would actually corrode. It may Silver may tarnish a little bit, and it may get a little something on it, and you can run it through some fancy cleaner, and it'll shine back up. Typically, gold and silver don't corrode. And he's talking about the, the riches that are corrupted, and he says your garments are moth-eaten. My clothes that I wear typically don't get holes in them from moths. It's not because I don't have moths in the closet. I hope I don't. But it's because I wear them. It's because I have them on. I use them. <laughs> this last year for us, um, July the 16th, last week marked one year that Mike and I moved home from Georgia. And, and we've lived with my mom and dad since July the 16th, and everything that we have, other than just a, a few things that are in the bedroom closet, is in a 30-foot trailer in the yard. And, and that's going to be real interesting when we start emptying that trailer out. But the clothes that I have in the house right now get cycled through regularly because it's, it's not the majority of my clothes. But my clothes don't typically get holes in them from moths because my clothes don't stay in the closet long enough to get eaten by moths. And so James is talking about this group of people and he calls them rich. But he says, your riches are corrupted. Your garments, which actually represents a wealth. Back in this, this time period, the garments that were gathered were, were representation of the wealth. They would have fancy clothes, kind of like your, your men have fancy suits. I found a place I can buy them for $39 and I love it. But you've got people that, that want these fancy, these high-dollar, really expensive suits. And, and those are just examples of if they've got the money to spend on that suit, they buy that suit. And so in this day, in this time, the garments that were purchased, the cloaks, the clothes that they bought, were representation of, of their wealth. And so he says, your garments are moth-eaten, your riches are corrupted, the garments are moth-eaten. He said, and your gold and your silver is corroded. That tells me that what this man 
has, has hoarded up, what he's gathered, he, he's not gathered for any useful purpose whatsoever. Right? I, I do believe wholeheartedly that we're to prosper. We're supposed to do our very best to, to be responsible with what God's given us, with, with whatever measure he's given us. And, and I believe he blesses us with more as we're responsible with what we have. And, and I don't really think that the possibilities have a limit. I believe that it's kind of limitless with what we can do and what God can bless us with. I'm, I'm very business-minded. I have a business degree, and I, I love the investing side of the world. And I, I just, it's kind of how I tick. And so I don't, don't think that God meant for us to stay oppressed, and he meant for us to stay broke or, or whatever it is. He meant for us to be prosperous. But he did not mean for us to gather gold and silver and leave it sitting in a jewelry box long enough that it corrodes. He did not mean for us to gather these garments or, or if I were to go out and buy five $1,000 suits and just leave them hanging in the closet because I would leave them hanging in the closet if I paid $1,000 for them. I sure ain't going to sweat in them. But he, he didn't intend for this, these things, stuff, material things to be gathered to sit long enough to go through destruction. When that's taking place, it means that it's just sitting and it's useless. The sole purpose of gathering these, these things were for you. It, not me and you, but that's what he's saying is you've got all this stuff. You've gathered all this stuff. You've gathered gold and silver. You've gathered these riches that you didn't even get in a good way. They're corrupt because of the way you got them in the first place. He said, and, and you've got these garments and everything's just sitting in the closet and going bad. What was the purpose of it in the first place? It's all about making you look good. The interesting part is pretty harsh, and James has been pretty real in this letter that we've, we've talked about. There's been some moments I've told you that I don't know that I'd be wanting to sit in the congregation that he's been talking to. But he says, your gold and silver are corroded, and that corrosion will be a witness against you, and it will eat your flesh like fire because you've heaped up your treasure in the last days. Well, this letter was written a long time ago. There's a lot of days gone by since James sent this letter to the church. So if they were hoarding up and they were heating up their treasures in the last day, then sure enough, whatever we would be heating or hoarding up is the last day, right? But it's interesting that that corrosion will be a witness against the rich. And he even says that it'll eat your flesh like fire. There's three categories. You, you give, you save, you spend. Because there's a balance. The heart of these people is what James is talking about. He, and he's, it's almost like as if you would go buy up all this silver. All you can buy, you take everything you have. There's not a balance. There's not the three. But there's I'm going to go consume and I'm going to keep every bit of this that I can keep for me. And me, 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 me. And you put it in the jewelry box and it sits there. Then what God has given us has accomplished nothing. There's the balance. We've got to, we've got to have some consumption. We have to live. you got to eat. And then if we're responsible and we can accomplish it, then, 
there, there's some way, shape, or form that we can somewhat save. That we can store up some, some things in the storehouse for the winter season, for the dry season. But then he also said to give. And so these people that, that James is talking to, he says that your, your riches are corroded, and that corrosion, that heart, is, I've always heard that, and it is, if you read in, in Malachi, when the, we bring the tithe back to the storehouse, there's a difference when you take what you've given. I heard a pastor explain it one day, and maybe one day I'll explain it more in detail like he did, but if you've got something that God's given you, if he gives you a $10 bill, the tent, which is literally the tithe, that the purpose of the tithe is to support the house of God. You can go all the way back to the beginning when the tabernacles were built and, and the leaders were put in place. The purpose of the tithe was to support the house of God, to support the ministries, not to be consumed within the church, but so that the church could do ministry to reach people. And so if, if God's blessed me with a $10 bill, then the tithe of that is to bring a dollar to the storehouse, to bring a, t a dollar and my tithe to give. If I choose not to give that dollar and I say, well, I got $10, that makes more sense to me than the nine. The difference is the nine is blessed by God versus the 10 that's cursed by God. I'll take $9 blessed by God all day, every day versus $10 that's cursed by God. And he says, your corrosion is going to be a witness of who you've been. The corrosion is going to be a witness of what you failed to give back, what you failed to put forth to somebody else, what you failed to even give back to God. That corrosion is going to be a witness against you. And because of that, you've not fulfilled what Scripture's called you to do. You've not given back. You've not been that revolving cycle. I agree. I love that analogy that it's supposed to revolve. God gives to me. I give back out. In the process, if I'm given a dollar... My goal is to take that dollar and make it two so that I get to give the one back out and it just keeps building and building. That's, that's the way it works. We produce fruit out of what we've, what we've been given. And he's talking to these people and he's saying your selfishness, your, your desire to keep what you get and you've done it. He's talking to these people that have not, that they didn't get in this game early on. They're rich by this point. They've got plenty. And they never did give. They never did support. And he says, you got it. And what you've got is corroded. And that corrosion is telling on you. It's all a gift. And that's the heart that James is talking to with these people is where they've messed up. Is they've gone through this process. They've built this wealth. They've built this prosperity. And they don't understand where the gift come from in the beginning. It's almost like what we talked about last week where where the people had, had equaled themselves, they had compared themselves to God making their own decision. They thought that they could make the decisions. This is the same group of people he's talking to. To the people that had equaled themselves with God, that I don't need God, I don't need you, Lord, in my decisions. I don't need God to make my decisions for me. I don't even need to ask him, well, how, how do you know what's coming tomorrow? That's the group of people he's talking to. Jesus, God gave us the greatest gift for us to receive. We receive salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We, we were created to receive. But there's nothing like being able to bless somebody and give. There's nothing like that. Even if, even if you never see it, just there's some satisfaction that God gives. And I believe it's because he's a God of, of giving. He gave his son. Whether we ever see the fruit, whether we ever get to see the smile on somebody's face, just to know we, we did it. It wasn't about us. 
Not that we get to, to toot a horn. Not that we get to say any, the scripture said, "Don't let your, your your left hand see what your right hand's doing." It's not about us getting anything. It's just there's something about giving and something about that feeling when you know the Lord's instructed you to do it and you do it. Man, it's very clear the people that James is talking to the heart that they had, and I don't believe Sister Carolyn, you you're dealing with these these questions tonight. It's not the kind of people that James was talking about. He talks about the wages. He said, indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, you kept back in fraud. That's like asking a, a boy to come cut your grass and say, I ain't paying you. You left a sprig sticking up. I'm not, what well, is that even? I mean, that don't even make no sense. The service was done. It should have been done. He says, but, he says, but the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, you kept back in fraud. And the interesting part is he says they cry out. And the Lord's heard their cry. When we do somebody wrong or when we have been done wrong, the Lord hears that cry. The Lord knows. The last statement of that section is, he goes on, he says, you've lived in earthly pleasure and luxury, you fatten your hearts as a day of slaughter. But then he says, you've condemned and you murdered the just. And he does not resist you. And he's talking about the people that have been murdered, the people that have done right. He still has hurt and broken down those people. And those people didn't resist him. There's two opposite individuals. Between the rich man and the one that's being broken down, the one that James is saying, you've murdered, you've broken down. Sometimes we get cut down. That song says, I've been cut down but not destroyed. We get cut down. Unfortunately, we get cut down by people like James is talking about that are so consumed with themselves, they're so self-centered that all that matters is them. And so anybody that gets in the way, me, you, anybody else, are, are broken down and beat down, even though we may have been right. James really compliments these people when he says, you've condemned, you've murdered the just, yet they don't resist. Talk about turning the other cheek. James is dealing with a matter of the heart. And he's challenging, he's using these people, he's talking to these people that are not I don't believe that these people are part of the body of believers that he's talked to in the previous portion of this letter. It doesn't make sense that they would be. First of all, he didn't call them brethren. Every other part of this letter we've talked about, when he's addressed the brothers in Christ, when he's addressed the members, he said, brethren. The very next part we didn't get to tonight, he said, therefore be patient, brethren. So he's not talking about a body of believers. He's not talking about the people of faith. He's not talking to the people of faith that he's been talking to the entire time. So for me, and what I believe the Lord would have us to hear tonight is to heed the message, to heed the warning. And I think that's what James is trying to do. He's telling these, he is writing this to these people of faith and he says, listen to to how these people have been. Don't be these people. Don't get so comfortable that you become like them. It's, It's not us. But if we're not careful, we get complacent and we get 
contend and that revolving wheel might start growing. And if we're not careful, we forget the little bitty snowball that started it to start with, where the snowball come from. So my prayer is that we do heed the warning, that we don't become like that. Can we pray together? Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you that whatever good and, and precious gift comes from you. God, everything that we have, we recognize tonight, Lord, is a gift from you. Lord, everything that you've blessed us with, every, every meal we've ever had, God, every, uh, every meal that was given to us, God, was a blessing. Lord, every meal that you've ever provided us a job to work for was a gift from you. Lord, every financial blessing, every blessing of health, every miracle that we've ever had of, of life, God, Lord, our salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit, it, we recognize that everything comes from you. Lord, and tonight, we pause just for a minute, Lord, maybe not to hear this and be convicted of the message, God, but more so to heed the warning to know what we're not to be like. God, just to recognize that everything we have comes from you and you've given it to us for a purpose. You've given it to us to repurpose, to be responsible with the gifts you've given us so that we could turn around and bless you and bless other people and continue on a, on a road, God, to be prosperous for you so that we could continue to give more and, and to move on, Lord. God, and I pray that we heed that tonight, Lord, that we heed the warning, God. Don't allow us to become content. Don't allow us to become complacent. Lord, but allow us to always recognize, whether it be a, a simple red penny or whether it be a $100 bill, Lord, every gift comes from you. God, and I pray that you would, you would convict us, God, to be responsible with those gifts. Lord, that you would give us wisdom, you would give us guidance, God, that we could live the prosperous life that you, you have for us, Lord that we would be able to give, that we would be able to, to save, that we would be able to change our, our family trees, God, our family later, Lord. God, I pray that you give us the wisdom to do those things. Most of all, let us keep you at the center of our lives. Let us put you first in everything we do, that we would always realize who we are, God, and whose we are. Lord, that we're yours. Lord, and you're the Father. Lord, we're simply the children. I thank you, Lord. Lord, 